0: From the team at CTS, this is the Time Crunch Cyclist Podcast, our show dedicated to answering your training questions and providing actionable advice to help you improve your performance, even if you're strapped for time. I'm your host, Coach Adam Pulford, and I'm one of the over 50 professional coaches who make up the team at CTS. In each episode, I draw on our team's collective knowledge other coaches, and experts in the field to provide you with the practical ways to get the most out of your training and ultimately become the best cyclist that you can be. Now, on to our show. Welcome back, Time Crunch fans. I'm your host, Coach Adam Pulford. Training readiness has become a catchy term in part due to the scores athletes receive from wearable devices The premise, though, is simple. Are you sufficiently recovered to benefit from training today or in the near future? Or should you rest more before training again? This is a big topic of discussion right now because January is coming up in a few weeks, and that's the traditional start of the training season for athletes with spring and summertime goals. Ideally, you've had a period of mostly aerobic, unstructured training before ramping up into a bigger period of training, such as this 2024 season that's upon us, briefly, but are you ready for it? That's the question I'm going to discuss today with CTS coach, co-author of many books, and content creator, Jim Rubberg. Jim, welcome back to the show again thank you adam it's good to be back yeah and so since we've heard from you uh before on the previous podcast which are a top-ranking podcast by the way of um uh can you get faster in six hours of less so if anyone missed that podcast go ahead and check it out but since we interviewed last ruddy what have you been up to
1: not a whole lot i've been riding and training myself and uh raising teenage boys (laughs) and chasing after them so uh, it's been an, it's been a, you know, a good year. Um, and I am certainly one of those athletes who has been taking it relatively easy this fall. And this topic came up between you and I because of, uh, kind of looking and seeing what does it take to be ready to start a larger block of training? Um, how do we tell that people are ready? Um, and you know, as you and I talked about, we were going to, we were going to turn this around a little bit, and uh, I was going to ask you some of the questions because you have a much better uh, handle on the technical side of, of this question. I think there there are coaches who are stronger on the technical end and, str- and some coaches who are stronger on the subjective end, just your coaching style. Um, you're much stronger than I am on the technical side. So I'm curious to find out from you well, to jump right into it, how do we define training readiness and how do we use all of this wearable data to evaluate it?
0: Yeah, no, that's, that's just it. And I think having a good mix of both, uh, you know, technical and subjective or objective subjective is the way in my opinion to, if we're going to use kind of this training readiness. So what the heck is it? Um, I generally describe it to my athletes as not only being motivated to train today, But also, can you perform what's needed based on what training calls for today? Essentially, you're asking yourself or I'm asking the athlete, how fresh are you mentally and physically? And does that align with actual training? The reason why I like separate those two is because we can all, you know, like shame ourselves into, yeah, I need to go out there and do that four hour ride. Or I need to get out there and do my two by 20. So I'm like negatively motivated to go out and do it. But can you do it?
1: Yeah, you're training in spite of yourself. Yeah, exactly,
0: exactly. So do those things align? That is essentially training readiness, as best as I can describe it to to everyone.
1: So the the world right now is overwhelmed with or very obsessed with the amount of, of data that we're able to gather off of wearable devices and HRV and whoop and the scores and everything else are you finding that to be helpful from athletes getting that much data or is it muddying the waters more so than, uh, clarifying it?
0: I think it muddies before it clarifies because it really, for any of these wearables to actually work, you need a lot of data. And then once you have the data, you need to correlate it to feeling. So if you get a new wearable and we'll just go brand and device neutral, if you get a new wearable, it's going to give you a readiness score. It's going to tell you what to do from day one because it measures something HRV resting heart rate, past training impulses, whatever. And then it tells, and and this is why like some devices you'll get it, you'll go do a ride and you come back and it says rest for 72 hours (laughs) or, you know, something like this. Um, is because it's dependent upon past data in order to do it even though you do a training thing that's normal for you you don't need 72 hours of rest right so then as as you gain more data it does get more smart so again it muddies the water before you start to actually have some actionable good advice from it but even from there if you become the robotic athlete that only looks at the readiness score or the you know feedback from the device without actually tuning into yourself it's going to make things a lot worse right because you're not going to tune into yourself you're not if you get sick if you get a little injured if you have if you don't train a bunch and then you try to go back to it it just sets everything off so you need you need these you need some data or some unbiased thing looking upon you as well as yourself looking upon you evaluating The real feel of your legs and your body before you go out there and do whatever training says for the day
1: you know we have access to uh the wearable device data that people upload and we have access to their past training and their training data through both training peaks and wko how do you use those uh pieces of software to help to determine whether an athlete's ready to train And I know, you know, one of the complicating factors with that is that athletes often have access to training peaks, but they don't necessarily have access to WKO. And so we have to be a little careful in terms of what data can athletes actually access and, and use for themselves.
0: Yeah. So I'll share some of that data on WKO five as well as training peaks. But before I do, I, I think of it in just two ways of how we actually use training readiness and it's short-term and long-term short-term is the day-to-day training decision, right? So I wake up, I <laughs> maybe do all my measurements or whatever. Where I just ask myself, Hey, how did I sleep last night? How, how, how am I feeling today? Check training peaks hmm, four hours. Should I do that? Should I not? That's the short-term day-to-day. And then the longer-term or like a, say, like an annual training plan or a um, training f- before I go into a big training phase, that's where I also look at training readiness um, as far as how the athlete held up in training um, based on their TSS per day ramp rates and all this kind of stuff. So,
1: well, And that's where we are now because people are at that point of hopefully they're rested they're ready to go they feel like it's they're they're anticipating the start of the 2024 season and wanting to get going and i think part of the reason that you and i wanted to do this podcast was that although january 1 is the traditional start of that it's also a completely arbitrary date so if people aren't actually ready because of a variety of other factors they're too tired they ha- they never actually took a break um, they're stressed out etc we have to evaluate whether or not january one really makes sense for people or they need a little bit more of a break after uh the holidays before they ramp up into their season mm-hmm. or hopefully they look at this information they look at uh they do a self-evaluation and go yep i am ready to go for 2024 and ready to hit it hard on Early January,
0: yeah, yep, that, that, that's it, 100. percent. And I think along with that is if an if an athlete asks me like, hey, coach, how is my data looking? You know, should we hit it hard in January one, or should we not, or how should we approach the holidays with all this time that I have coming up, or how should we approach the holidays when I'm traveling for the next couple of weeks and with family and stress out of my gills, all right? So let's look to the training readiness chart on WKO five that I use when I'm tracking uh, freshness and readiness. To make things as simple as possible, what this training readiness chart is tracking is TSS per day on the y-axis and then time in weeks and months on the x-axis. In particular, we're looking at the form or the TSB training stress balance from the performance management chart on training peaks. Okay, terminology and i'll show that here in a second but we're just we're really like focused on that and this chart go, goes ahead and clarifies when the athlete could be feeling what relative to this training stress balance so, so to make it simple in yellow we've got um we've got fresh just under that we've got optimal performance zone we've got optimal training zone overreaching then overloading how to read this And then we have transition up here, how to read this is when we're in the red, that's like, be a little careful because if we induce a ton of training, which is right here, we're getting into the overload aspect. And for those listening to me right now, if you're like, what the heck is he talking about? Go over to YouTube to get the the full visual of this, because we're using a kind of visual aid, if you will, um, to describe what we're talking about on training readiness. And you'll only be able to find it on, on YouTube in this sort of dynamic way
1: right but if they're listening uh think of it as a really heavy day of training um is going to have a high tss um is going to be a high tss day and that is going to suppress this line graph it's going to push it'll be represented by the the low points on the line graph um and then as you're either taking easier days or days that are kind of uh, a- average or are typical for you, you're going to be in more of that, uh, optimal performance or optimal training area. A big heavy day is going to push down into this, uh, red area on overload. Think of it as kind of it, it their guardrails. Exactly. So if you're hitting the guardrail on the overload side, because the training has been heavy, you got to ease up a bit And get it back into the green zones if you ease up too much or you just haven't been training you're going to hit the guardrail on the other side on the high side of the graph where you're in you're not getting enough tss per day to keep your fitness moving in the right direction exactly
0: and so i think using these guardrails is a great approach for an athlete or a coach to check in on stuff so if we if we've got like a big training phase planned and all of a sudden it's, it indicates to me these red dots of overloading, right? These big troughs. Um, maybe I want to check in with the, with that athlete, especially if that wasn't pre-programmed, but if it is all good, you know, keep moving forward. Um, additionally, it can all, I look back on this as a historic trend to see how the athlete is holding up. Uh, Where does he perform best? Because there's some other stuff in the performance management chart via WKO5 that I can look as to how this athlete actually performs relative to where they are in this readiness chart sort of thing. And uh, shout out to Josh Moore. I just talked to him this morning. I've shared his data before on on stuff. So he's he's good with this. What i like to see from this and what I tell the athletes is I... Educate them on what we're looking at, what this means. And I say when we're doing like a big fitness build, like January, February for a lot of athletes, I'll say what we need to do is hang out in the green, hang out in this optimal training zone. And which what that green? is, is inducing training effect to get fitness ramping up. So that's kind of how I use right. this as a okay. teaching tool.
1: So the the optimal training green area, which is a little bit more of a training load Versus the optimal performance area where it's still the lighter green, yeah. uh, but is, I mean, and in relative to the performance management chart in in uh, training peaks, which more people will have access yeah. to, than have access to WKO, they're going to see this as a trough in TSB, the hitting the low points in TSB, um, and then where. Th- people are recovering or are getting back to an optimal training zone is when TSB might be a little negative, but is not a huge trough. So it's, it's the deviation from the average that's causing the, either the benefit or the problem. Exactly.
0: Exactly. And what I'm doing now is I'm sharing what anybody who uses training peaks has access to. And this is your performance management chart. You go there by going online, like on your desktop, laptop, And go to calendar go over to your dashboard and then you click on performance management and just in general concepts now this is an a a separate athlete so for the data nerds who are really tracking this like hey that doesn't look the same it's not it's also a different timeline but the concept here is the same where form or tsb at the trough or the lowest point this is the highest fatigue of the athlete okay so check in perhaps with the athlete there because it's a time of heavy stress whether you (laughs) program that in as a coach or not. And the reason why I'm sharing a lot of this data here is because from a quote trading readiness standpoint, all of this readiness or or this score, if you will, is based in TSS per day, which is a lot of what our fitness modeling and our performance modeling goes from as opposed to HRV or resting heart rate or some, super out there algorithm from whatever device you're using um to tell you that you're ready to train or not this is using the same concepts same terminology that we are in pre- prescribing training or using the same language that we use in training to model your readiness so i think this is a much better fit for those who have good data
1: so then do you see cuz you you work with athletes who have long histories of training yep. data in uh wko and and training peaks and also have um, a pretty good history of training with or using wearable devices have you seen a good correlation between person hits one of these troughs in tsb and that the wearable devices are telling them similar information that they're tired and, and not ready to train or how is how do these should people expect that these things should align or have you seen that they are not aligning as much?
0: It it really depends. It's a great question for sure. And I think the best answer I can give to you is it really depends on athlete phenotype and their fitness rolling into it. So for example, on a trough like this, if I've got a sprinter or like a really anaerobic athlete if I had a, a trough occur like this, they, they would simply be tired. Okay. ATL has spiked up it, d- decent training leading into it, but now they're tired. Whereas like a domestique or a climber or something like this, somebody who's more aerobically favored, if you will, they're probably feeling decent, maybe a little tired here, but they're feeling pretty good at a supp- suppressed training stress balance. Even more so that heb- that more aerobic athlete climber type probably feeling even better as they're coming out of the trough. So we're a negative TSB, but we're rising up versus a sprinter. Who's feeling better when it's something perhaps like this, where the form is positive and uprising, but it hasn't reached this like probably transition time period over here where they might be getting a little stale at that point. So that those are the trends that I find.
1: Does that mean that training ready from a training readiness standpoint that the The anaerobic-type athlete, the sprinters, they're highly affected by, like, acute fatigue. They don't feel good unless they're fresh. Like, they they need to freshen up in order to feel good. Whereas the highly aerobic people, the time trial, the people who can tempo all day kind of folks, they may feel better when they are carrying a little bit more fatigue. The NTSB is a little bit lower, just because of the kind of athlete and the kind of stress that they thrive under?
0: Yeah, that's right. That's right. And it's really important to uh, identify that by looking at data over time. Um, the way I like to do it is I, on WKO 5 I have performance measurements like peak 5-minute, 20-minute, 60-minute powers overlaid on a performance management chart like this. So what you can do is if you're using training peaks online here is you can go identify when some of these peak power durations occurred and then go look at what your TSB was relative to that date and look at like, was I upward trending? Was I downward trending? Was I super fresh? You can start to see the patterns of when you're making your best power. And that's how you can identify when you come into a good training readiness standpoint.
1: So Adam, we have a a range of athletes that you and I work with and, and CTS works with for instance and some of them are really into their data and other people are guided a lot more by feel and subjective evaluations um, how do we use some of, the, some of the lower tech or no tech kind of uh, subjective measures to figure out whether a person is ready to train
0: yeah th- this is um, in my opinion this is where it's at because we need to incorporate low tech or old school along with new tech. If you're using this new tech and I'll start first by very broadly saying you need more self-awareness. You need to tune into yourself without it. None of this means anything. It's all out the window. And so this is asking yourself, you know, do you feel fresh? Did you have good sleep last night? How do your legs feel? Which is something I ask my athlete all the time. <laughs> and are you motivated how what's your motivation right now? Um so how you cultivate self-awareness? I mean, you could probably read, you know, books on philosophy for days about that. <laughs> in the way of training, it's it's a it's a continual conversation with yourself. However, you can use some of these tools in order to kind of orchestrate it. I like my athletes using metrics on training peaks as well as simply talking to him on the phone. So metrics on training peaks, you can click on a little positive icon on, on the day, pull that up. And for my athletes, I've got anything from, um, you know, sleep quality to mood, HRV, um, recovery status, motivation, all this kind of stuff. And going through that process helps the athlete bring awareness to how they truly are feeling as opposed to waking up, um, getting the kids going out the door for the day, rolling into work and not never really having a thought of your freshness for the day. Or maybe the only thought was, Oh man, my back and sleep to go. Okay. Charge forward into the day. Right.
1: So you use a process of recording the metrics as a, as a self check-in, on a daily basis so that they get used to checking in with themselves and seeing how they feel so that it's not kind of a random evaluation. You, you try to get them to do it on a regular basis so that they get more attuned to the differences from day to day.
0: It's one way, right? And it it's one actionable way of doing it for somebody who has say lower awareness where we need to work on it. The end goal would be to not you know, go on training peaks to cultivate that self-awareness. I would say the end goal is what I do with my athletes on a very regular basis. Pretty much every day is follow the training program. And before you make any decision on, do I do intervals today or not, whatever the workout is warm up first, warm up, do a couple openers, then decide about your main set. If I feel good and have good sensations, proceed with the main set if i'm like whoo, these these legs are more heavy than i thought okay let's just ride some endurance let's let's do a recovery ride whatever head home freshen up and let's push those intervals to the next day because whatever caused the heaviness whatever is causing this fatigue whether it was yesterday's training poor night's sleep low food intake whatever it is we need we should adjust based on what your body's telling you
1: and um, this is the area i think that people get confused because there's a, there's a pressure to push Mm -hmm. through. There's a pressure to say, well, you know, no pain, no gain. And I feel tired, but I need to get this done, et cetera. Um, and then there's the, the other side that says, well, you know, you're only going to perform well if you are rested and fresh. Um, so how do we help people to figure out whether the today or a, this week, et cetera, is a push through, kind of a situation or a i need to listen to my body and take more rest situation
0: yeah i personally i don't think that there's any way to get there without some trial and error and messing up along the way so get it wrong push punch through sometimes and watch your power go down and be like okay i guess i should have listened to myself uh in the warm up when my legs were heavy for example um And sometimes like I showed you on the training readiness chart is maybe you have these days of overreaching and there's a certain time period to do that. But then if you're seeing day after day of overreaching now dial it back, okay, really freshen up because this fatigue hole that you're getting into, feel it and then come back. And I think that these subjective feelings, I mean, this is a little bit of like the old school approach of sorts of like, go dip your toe in that, maybe make a mistake and then come back. But I also think that there's signs of readiness that you can, you know, identify kind of within yourself that, um, I mean, you talked about in in your article that I think came out um, a couple of weeks ago now. And I don't know. Mm. Do you want to speak on that? Because I think that holds a ton of weight even today, whether we call it old school or low tech or whatever. Um, Yeah. And that one
1: talked a bit more about the readiness for moving from say a transition period of the yeah. year to a it's time to get rolling into 2024 or rolling into a new season because well, so from the acute standpoint i think people see their heart rate is very is more responsive mm-hmm. so if you go hard and and then when you back off your heart rate drops relatively quickly or you start to put in an effort you go up a hill or something like that your heart rate has greater agility or more mobility within responsiveness to efforts i think that that's a sign that people can look at and go okay i'm my my body is actually responding to training when i go harder heart rate ramps up and then when i recover it's actually moving again if people are not ready to train i i find they their effort level and rpe stays this um, might move, but their heart rate stays yeah. the same. They just it's it, the, there's very little variability. And I'm not talking heart rate variability from a resting standpoint, like the measurements we take in the morning. More of how responsive is your heart rate during a, a workout itself. The other one is you can actually accelerate. You know, the, when people are are ready to go and and train, it can be as simple as when you leave a stoplight or a stop sign you can hit the gas and get up to speed. And if you're not able to, and it's just, it's a grind and and you're sluggish, there's a reason for that. I mean, it, so I think you do your warm up and see, do I feel sluggish? Are my legs heavy? Is my heart rate not responding? Um, and those things, not by themselves, but in correlation with how I feel and whether I'm motivated, et cetera, can be a good indicator of, are you ready or not? And then on the long term side of seasonality, how excited are you yeah. for this? Yeah, like are you looking at January and going, okay, I'm I'm ready to go, and you're counting down the days to getting started into 24, or is it, uh, shoot, I only have two weeks left of you know of of break time so to speak, and then I got to start this again. Like that's a big indicator because an athlete who's actually recovered is going to start getting antsy. They're going to start getting eager to train when they go for rides. It's like the dog on the leash. They want to go. They want to accelerate. They want to test themselves. They're trying to, they're, they want to charge every hill that they get to. And they're holding themselves back maybe because we've told them that it's transition period and they should stay in zone two and all that kind of stuff. But the athlete that's ready to go is almost struggling to hold themselves back in that because they're so eager to, to get on with it. Uh, if we can get athletes to that point going into January, I think it's that's great. If it's the opposite, they look at January like this task that has to be accomplished. Like, oh shoot, I got to start, you know, really ramping up in order to get to my goals. That's more problematic to me yeah. because it means that yeah, they're ready to to commit to it, but they're they're ready to commit to it because it's a task that they've put on their calendar, not because they're actually ready to train.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, and, and I mean it's as simple as that, in my opinion. And you don't need a metric to tell you that. And I think it, it, from the longer term, longer term sort of scenario of training readiness, if you're the person that's been like flogging yourself at the group ride in December and you know, like getting all these miles because you have more time, don't charge into January with all the New Year's resolution and hit Swift and all this kind of stuff because everyone else is. Mm-hmm. It's like pump the brakes, take a break, all good. Meanwhile, if December stresses you out because of you know, wrapping up work projects, making a push to the holidays, travel, everybody has COVID, everybody has flu. January 1st comes around, don't hit it. Because if, you, if you're not ready, if you're not like itching to go, it's not going to be fruitful. And that like itching to go, like you just want to go fast. It's also that time period of, of what I try to bring my athletes into for a nice like peak performance or a, a taper. Right. And, and I would say that the feelings are, are similar, but in this way, um, that training readiness is, is really like more of a, um, like clean slate. No, like, let's try not to have too much fatigue in the system mentally and physically before we like put in this kind of like big locomotive training <laughs> effect, ramping up in, in, into training peaks. But I think that to make it really, really simple, wait. Until you're like ready to go before you impose that stress upon you, because training it is stressful. It should be stressful.
1: You made a good point that there's a difference between the rest and eagerness that come from a taper, and the rest and eagerness that come from a substantial period of of uh, unloading or deloading. Um, a transition period where the thing that's in front of people right now is a long process. This this next season that we're coming into is a big build i mean they're going to go from it's january and maybe your goals are in june and july and august and that's a you know that's a hefty intimidating thing to to kind of ramp yourself into um whereas the taper example is your event which is probably a one day or a week or something like that is a couple weeks out and you're you're getting eager to, to perform at your highest level, but you're getting ready for an acute stress or an acute event. Whereas what people are ramping up into right now is more the, okay, am I ready for a three month, four month, five month build to my events? And that can either be exciting or really intimidating. And I think if you did things correctly in the fall, you should be getting antsy and eager for the work that, and the process that is coming, uh, because you know, you're ready, you know, you've rested, you know, you've unloaded the stress from the previous season. Um, and you're looking at this, this long ramp and thinking, you know, there's a lot to be done and and a lot of fun to be had and I'm physically
0: and mentally ready for it. Yeah, no, that's hundred percent correct. And so Ruddy, it's kind of like wrap this thing up and, give you the final words here. If we've got listeners asking themselves right now, just like, Oh, am I ready for that big build? And they're asking in this podcast is making themselves ask that question. What should they double down on? What should, what things should they be looking at to identify if they're ready for that big five month build of fitness?
1: Honestly, I think that the it's, you know, we're two weeks out from the end of the year and if you're going to put a start point on the next season for instance and it's an arbitrary date january 1 so you if you have time you you could just ramp up now if you wanted to but if you're trying to have a demarcation of when does this start then i think giving yourself real downtime before getting into that start can be important because we're People aren't making as much of a distinction between the end of one thing and the beginning of another. And as we go into the 2024 season and, and we get it, we're in the middle of December. If you say, look, I'm just going to make sure that I'm rested when I hit January. I'm going to make sure that I've reduced the stress as much as I can and I've made myself physically and mentally ready for what's coming. Um, I think giving yourself a good break and giving yourself some good recovery time can be very helpful. Yep.
0: And along with that, I I would, I would add, just keep it simple, get to know yourself. And if this holiday season, you have a little extra time, I would put more emphasis on that cultivating awareness, getting in tune with your body. Sure. You know, ride some miles, but if you want, you know, first week of January as your uh, time to get after it, like pump the brakes a little bit over the holidays, enjoy some downtime, probably catch up on some sleep. I think that can um, be a blanket statement for many time-crunched athletes. With that, Ruddy, thank you uh, for talking about training readiness today, uh, talking about you know old school, new school ways of doing it. But in the end, we're all talking about the same thing. It's getting ready to get after it in training and going after some big goals to start the new year. So thanks again for coming on the podcast. It's always a pleasure to have you on. Thank you. Always good to thanks. be here. Thanks for joining us on the Time Crunch Cyclist podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you want even more actionable training advice, head over to trainright.com newsletter and subscribe to our free weekly publication. Each week, you'll get in-depth training content that goes beyond what we cover here on the podcast that'll help you take your training to the next level. That's all for now. Until next time, train hard, train smart, train right.